we moved out to Arizona to be with family and I started a little internet business on the side. This was like 2002 selling little music supplies. Um, and ever since that first PayPal order came in, I have been ruined uh, for doing anything else. The Doberman Dan Show. The Doberman Dan Show. For renegade entrepreneurs. Get ready for the uncensored, nothing held back, no BS reality of how business and life really work. Leave the sheeple to their lives of quiet desperation and get ready to experience an, an exhilarating, exhilarating life of, of unbridled, unbridled freedom. freedom. Now prepare yourself because Doberman Dan's off the leash. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Doberman Dan for Renegade Entrepreneurs Podcast. Um, I am excited to have with me Jason Leister. How you doing, Jason? Very well. How's it going today for you? It is going great. I uh, I just disclosed to you before we hit the, re- the record button that as I was making a list of people that I wanted to uh, have on my podcast, you came up as number one. Um. For a lot of reasons, I'll let you, I'll let you tell your story in a minute. But um, I read everything that you produce, everything that I'm aware of. I'm on all your lists, so if you're writing stuff that I'm not aware of, make me aware of it, and I'll read that too. <laughs> um, so I read all that stuff. I read all um, the emails. I read all the blog stuff. I'm a subscriber. Uh, to your paid newsletter. I have bought every product you have uh, produced. In fact, many times when I'm (laughs) too busy going through my emails to read the entire copy, I click over to the website and I scan it and that's good enough for me. In fact, there's sometimes I don't even scan it and I just click the buy button. That has actually wound up once I bought one product twice (laughs) because I'd already bought it, but I thought it was a new product. So I didn't even read the copy. I'm just like, Oh, it's from Jason Leister. It's going to be killer. So I'm just going to buy it. And, um, uh, that's how much I support you because, uh, you're saying stuff in our little, crazy community of direct marketers and online marketers and copywriters that I have not found anybody else saying. And uh, it's been life transforming for me, especially the past two years, because um, prior to the past two years, I've been a serial entrepreneur. And when I sold my last business, which sold very quickly, and I didn't expect that, um, I had the conversation with the wife like, oh, crap. Um, you know what? The income has now just stopped, so I got to do something. So even though I'd done freelance copy work on the side while I had my business, I was thrown into the freelance copywriter uh, pool like still as a rookie, basically. And I found out that that well, they threw me in the deep end, first of all, and I'm a beginner, and it was stocked with freaking sharks with freaking lasers on their heads. And it was um, really the first year was pure hell and torture, and I was miserable, and it was only your stuff that got me through it and got me right on track. So I, I now I sound like I'm... Um, um, the 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 word is escaping me. What what is the word they use when 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 like talk show hosts um, gush all over their guests? Um, I know you're sincere though. It's different. It's, it's uh, very very kind of you. Um, so that's why I've been excited about having you on the show, and um, I'd like you to tell your background, and then I'd like to get into. If you don't mind, I mean, we can talk about marketing stuff a little bit, but um, your strength, I mean, you're, you're, a, you're a marketing master, you're a copywriting master, but your strength is in other things 
that nobody else is talking about that I want to get into. So let's start yeah, with sure. you giving, giving us the story um, of how you got into this. And by the way, I've been meaning to ask you, you're, you're a world-class musician who's won international competitions, but I've never been able to figure out if your instrument of choice was piano or organ. Uh, pipe organ was what I went to. Uh, uh, I went to a four-year music conservatory to get a degree in pipe organ performance, which, if not winning the award, it must be really close to one of the most impractical <laughs> degrees in the world, but that is what I did. Interesting. A fellow musician. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, most of you know, a good half of my life I was... Uh, sitting on an organ or a piano bench, uh, completely unaware that I'd be doing anything other than going to college, probably working in a church. Um, I got my first church job when I was like 13, so the Sunday thing was a regular habit for me for many, many years. Um, got out of college. Uh, I'm actually one recital away from getting a degree, and... At the time, it was a big mess, but it's one of the best things that ever happened to me because uh, getting that probably would would have meant we wouldn't be talking here on the phone because I would be practicing somewhere for Sunday service. Um, but I got a job right out of college, moved to Nashville, Tennessee to work at a big church, <clears throat> and very quickly I realized that uh, the way the world works wasn't exactly – it didn't exactly jive with the way that things worked in college. Um, in college, the best artists rose to the top in the real world. Oftentimes the best artists get eaten alive, um, because it's a very different game that you have to play. And I was probably one of the most naive people out there. Um, whatever the opposite of street smart is, <laughs> that is how, that is would would have been a good description. Um, so I I ended up in a church with too much attitude and too much willingness to speak what I believed, which are two things that do not go over well. Um, so lasted there for a little while. Did a few more churches, moved around Chicago, New York City, stuff like that. Before I just figured out that this really wasn't going to be uh, my thing. Somehow I got a book by Robert Kiyosaki um, when we were living in Knoxville, Tennessee. Started reading that, which completely ruined me forever. Um, forever being able to work for somebody else. Which, so, which book? Do you, do you remember which one it was? Uh, I started with the Cash Flow Quadrant. Somehow I started reading that. And then I was getting started in network marketing, which I sucked at so badly. Um, but that started the whole avalanche of you know, this whole path. Um, I remember reading The Greatest Networker by, I think, John Milton Fogg was his name. Yeah, um, I remember. And getting, I read that book too. <laughs> getting so pumped up, you know, um, and, and I had nowhere to go. <laughs> and so I floundered around with that for a little, for a few years, um, working in a temp agency because I was done with music. Um, and from there... Moved to, let's see, where did we move? Uh, we were living in New York City. My wife was in grad school, still in music. She was about to quit too. 9-11 um, happened. We moved out to Arizona to be with family, and I started a little internet business on the side. This was like 2002, selling little music supplies. Um, and ever since that first PayPal order came in, I have been ruined uh, for doing anything else. Uh <laughs> I just will never get over that feeling. It's, yeah, it's quite fun to just sit there and watch that happen. So, you know, that's how things got started. I tried to figure out how to sell my own products. Um, I didn't, wouldn't have even known a copywriter if I whacked him, in, you know, in, into him on the street. I really had no clue. Started learning from Corey Rudel and people like that. Um, and, you know, fast forward, what, like 10 years, 12, 13 years, here we are. And so, um, 
so you started out with your own businesses. You wrote the copy for your own businesses. <clears throat> yeah, um, and we went into into niches where um, the idea of of a long form sales letter was nowhere to be found. So it was not hard to really stand out, and it really worked well. Now, do you still keep? Um, Why well, I know in one niche for service providers, I know you have your own business. Do you have yeah. like like some guys have various little what I call bootstrap businesses or kitchen table businesses that you know various businesses that may be bringing in you know a few hundred, <coughs> few thousand a month. Yeah. Do you, have you kept those going or have you focused on? your service provider business and then also the business that provides information products to service providers. Yeah. I kept the little, little ones going longer than I should have. I just couldn't, I mean, it was kind of our baby, you know, that we had built up over so many years. And I mean, on one hand compared to the other players in this space, what we were doing was amazing, but the niche was just too small. I mean, we're talking about a total of 9,000 customers possible worldwide, <laughs> you know? And while the continuity was good because it was a consumable, um, you know, average order might have been 100 bucks. That's it's, Those numbers just don't work out, you know, when you have seven kids and uh, stuff like that. So we, we let that go, then we went back in. You know, I tried to turn it into something it just wasn't made to be. Um, and we finally sold that a little couple years ago. Um, and so I just had to get disciplined, <laughs> uh, because, you know, like it is working with clients, like you make your money on the buy, you know, yeah. you make your, your money by what you choose to pursue. And, and it's, and it's. I mean, it ain't a bad gig. Listen, I've I've bitched the past two years because, I, like I said, really, even though I've been writing copy for se several for, for a decade and a half, the freelancing was new to me, and I felt like I was getting my lunch eaten. Um, yeah, but you know, as far as a gig goes, it it, it ain't a bad gig at all, especially when you. Uh, work with clients who are direct response savvy and understand the value of copy. It ain't a bad gig at all, but there's the there's the client management aspect. Actually, before we get into that, how how did you make the transition into freelance copywriter? Because I believe that came. <clears throat> Before the business where you provide tools for service providers, right? Yeah, definitely. I uh, During college, I started designing websites, so I did that for people. Then I started trying to sell my own stuff online. That morphed into me. I've always been a computer geek. We moved to Chicago, started doing being an independent tech consultant. So I'd go out and work with businesses and manage their computers and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then we moved out in the middle of nowhere, Indiana one year. Uh, I was too far away from Chicago to do that. <clears throat> I woke up one day and realized that here I had been trying to make this, we sold oboe reeds, this little music business. Um, I, I, you know, I've been trying to turn it into something that it just didn't have the legs for. And I was like, Hmm, I could just aim exactly what I'm doing. It's somebody else's business. And same skills. So January 1st, 2007, you know, I'd sent an email to all my tech consultant clients kind of segueing into, Hey, I'm wearing my marketing hat now instead of costing you money. You know, I'm going to try to help you make it. Um, got my first client, uh, from that and then started, you know, sending out letters and marketing myself, uh, albeit not so intelligently. Um, and that's how it, it went from there. Yeah, I mean, freelancing is, I think that the trick that I've discovered is you can't go to a steakhouse and start complaining when they put, uh, you know, when they put a steak in front of you because you wanted fish, you know? So it, it is what it is. And if you accept that it is what it is, 
And there are certain things that come along with the ability to make money materialize in like a 20 minute phone call. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's the plus, right? Tens of thousands of dollars potentially that comes at a price. And so it got better for me when I stopped trying to make it into something it wasn't and just started accepting the costs. Expand on that. Tell, tell me more about that, the costs. Uh, so, I mean, you're going to get great clients every now and again. You're going to get some not-so-good ones that make you feel like you're completely unprofitable, drive you nuts, um, dig in on your insecurities. You'll wake up thinking about what you haven't done for them or what you should do or I hope it's going to work. Like all of that. And if you go through life trying to make that go away and still be a freelancer, um, I think you're going to be struggling for a very long time. <laughs> you know? Now, this is why this is why I'm a, a Jason Leister hyper um, supporter. I was in the middle. I was in the middle of that crap. You know, I had started a bunch of my own businesses, okay? And, I mean, really, a majority of them flopped. Um, and it sucks to lose months or, and, and thousands of dollars testing this idea that, that when it's all said and done, it, it has no signs of life whatsoever. So to even spend any more time on it is beating a dead horse. And that sucks because I hate to lose time and money, but that was the risk I knew going into it. And for some reason, emotionally, you know, it didn't bother me. Well, yeah, it did bother me. I gave myself 24 hours to whine and, um, and be in a bad mood and, and indulge in my favorite mind alter. I mean, literally drop all my business stuff and engage in my favorite mind altering substance, which is not all that healthy, but it's television. Um, that blue light is just tranquilizing and it's amazing how it can soothe your, your, (laughs) your hurts. Um, Occasionally, I did add a few glasses of liquor to it, to be quite honest with you. But I restricted that to 24 hours. And then, you know, I just picked myself up and start all over again. It's part of the risk of this business. Even the big boys, you know, maybe hit two out of ten. You know, when I say the big boys, the the best marketers in the world, the Agoras. So, So I didn't beat myself up too bad about it. But when I started freelancing, I I had an overwhelming anxiety uh, during the production of this copy, just feeling like I needed it to work. I, I had no room for failure, even though an experienced direct response marketer who hires a copywriter is going to realize that, you know, you know, maybe you stand a one out of 10 chance or two out of 10 chance of getting something that works, maybe at a base hit level, um, getting something that works at a grand home, you know, uh, grand slam home run level is even less, but still I, that drove me insane and literally lost sleep over that. Your materials finally got me, got my mind on track about that i i can't control that okay i i could literally i could resurrect um i was gonna say gary benzavanga but he's not dead please forgive me gary (laughs) um so i could get gary benzavanga in a room and conduct a seance and resurrect robert collier and um and gary halbert you know, and all these, uh, you know, all these famous copywriters, and we could literally write the best piece of copywriting in history. I'm still not in control of whether that copy works or not. Yeah, and that's really hard to to figure out what to do with. I mean, that's a reality that if you've been around the block more than once, you know that's the reality. So. A lot of times when you're getting started, you want to pretend that's not the reality, which you know makes it clear to everyone that you haven't been doing this very long. But even when you have, 
um, it's kind of the elephant in the room, right? And it's it it generates a lot of pressure when someone sends you like you know seventeen thousand dollars or whatever. Like you feel accountable to control something that you ultimately don't, unless you develop an ability to deal with that some other way. You know? Yeah, that's that's right. And you know, unless there's if there's other stuff you want to talk about, I mean, feel free. To go ahead and talk about it. I I'm most interested in getting to this deep um understanding you have about the mindset of people in this situation, like copywriters or service providers, and 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 how you teach them to deal with these kind of mental things. Um, yeah. because you're the, you're the only guy teaching this. Well, I mean, I, I lived it, you know, so I've been this person for most of my life and really only in the last, what, six or seven years. Um, and really it had nothing to do with a marketing book. It had to do with working <clears throat> with other teachers, um, in other parts of my life. Um, some people would call it spiritual, um, I'm not religious. Uh, I've kind of got that out of my system. Um, however, I've done a lot of work to really get in touch with like what I'm about. And when you are able to do that and be okay with that, uh, then when you go into a room, like there's no such thing really as feeling insecure. Like I don't have anything to prove to anybody and if they come in and think that I'm somehow perfect, well, then it's none of my business, really. I mean, I'll prove them wrong sooner or later. Um, and I don't treat it like it's a big secret. And that, to me, to, I mean, it's one thing to say all that stuff, and then, which I did for a while. It's another thing to feel it. Um, but that makes all the difference. you know. And in one way, it's a type of freedom um, that no one can give you but yourself. Right. Which, Which sucks. Uh, doesn't, I don't know about for you, but doesn't come easily. I believe it requires a constant, constantly working on yourself. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's constant vigilance or you, you, uh, I mean, you can slip right back into your old self tomorrow. The one who heard from age six that like you either do what we say and you perform the way we want you to perform or we're not going to like you and we're going to do things that make it clear to everyone else that we don't like you. And we'll see how that makes you feel. That will definitely modify your behavior for next time. So you can think about that. Like, that doesn't go away in like a week. No, that's that's a <laughs> you know? that's a kindergarten through uh, shit, adulthood lifetime programming. Well, and it just continues, unfortunately, for the vast majority of people. I mean, they, um, I mean, I feel pretty grateful to, to realize that, uh, to have the opportunity to first realize that I was in a movie that I wasn't controlling. Mm -hmm. Then the opportunity to begin to realize how I could change that movie. And then finally, or at least where I'm at now, the ability to actually enjoy the movie, despite what the movie's doing. This is the Doberman Dan Show for Renegade Entrepreneurs. And we'll be right back. Hey, this interview with Jason Leister is going better than I ever expected. And uh, just wait. It, he's going to reveal some even better stuff. This is just a brief commercial me message to um, give you a sincere invitation to get to know me a little bit better. And I hope what it will lead to is me getting the opportunity to know you better. Um, I've just released a new book. It's entitled one person, one laptop, one million dollars.com. It's that's where it's, uh, located. And, uh, it, one is, is the number one. It's never spelled out. So it's w the number one person, number one laptop, number one million dollars.com. That's the name of the book. One person, one laptop, one million dollars.com. That has been uh, 
my lifestyle for the past 20 years, I've not needed anything but a laptop and the clothes on my back. And I've been able to make a living and live a lifestyle most people would be jealous of and live in various countries. But um, I also have a reputation for calling the many of the internet marketing gurus on their bullshit. And that's what I'm doing in this book. I am just revealing the timeless methods that work as opposed to the internet marketing gurus who have to come up with a brand new bright shiny object magic money button that spits out hundred dollar bills every time you press it um, that they can sell you every month for two two thousand um, dollars this is the real story of how to build a profitable online business either from scratch or if you've already got one how to improve it and it just released uh, it's cheap is dirt and I'm going to give you free shipping to your front door um, and I'm actually revealing some very embarrassing stories about lessons I've learned um, some of them I'd rather not <laughs> reveal like falling from grace and actually being homeless and having to live in my car with my dog uh, for a while until I got really mad decided to get back on top of the game and then four months or a little less than five months I was back to making six figures a month and that's exactly what I'm going to show you how to do in this book and you can do all this without needing any fancy high-tech skills um, listen if you're a Luddite like me you can barely work a toaster you can do what I did um, you don't need to be a great or even a good copywriter if you can write out a grocery list you can do this trust me um, I can teach you how to turn half-ass copy into the into awesome converting copy um, I've done it myself numerous times uh, you can do this without attracting a ton of traffic to your website um, you know and having to have a big budget to spend thousands of dollars to get traffic even if you get a little traffic you can make out like a bandit with this I have made a six-figure income numerous times and in, in various niches with tiny little lists email lists of a thousand people so you can definitely do that I'm gonna show you how to do it it's not about having a unique product it's you're gonna be able to sell a thousand times better than your competitors if you know the secrets in this book and finally my biggest pet peeve it is definitely not about building a huge list of entitlement attitude whiny non-buyer bitchy mooching nasty email writing freebie seekers only opting into your list because you bought into the big lie of the I am gurus of this moving the free line bullshit and giving away your best free reports audios and videos etc listen that may work 10 to 15 years ago but it sure as hell ain't working now and all the guys doing that and teaching that where have they gone I have seen them disappear into the ether um, it's a story of two businesses one of them I follow what the I am gurus told me to do and failed miserably even though I stuck with it for four years lost four years of my life I did the exact opposite in my other business and um, and it quickly went from zero starting on my kitchen table to a uh, million dollar plus business so that's what you're going to learn in one person, one laptop, one million dollars.com. It's cheap. It's only seven bucks. You can get free shipping. And uh, I hope you check it out. Go to one person, one laptop, one million dollars.com. And again, one is just the number one, not spelled out one. Let's get back to the interview with Jason. Now we come to the part of the program. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think in almost every interview I have transitioned <laughs> I've transitioned this program into the Doberman Dan counseling session. <laughs> but it just made me I didn't deliberately do that in this interview, but it just made me think of something that I'd love to get your take on. Um 
I had a client. We we had done some work before. I'd written a couple pieces of copy for him before. He had a partner that was the money and pulled out. So neither of those pieces were ever run. I had really high hopes for those pieces. But super nice guy. Uh, we kept in touch. Um, just a, a really balanced, emotionally balanced guy. One of these guys who makes you feel good just to be around. So yeah. the, the the relationship went from client to friend. Well, he started a new business. And uh, we had a conversation that I was going to be, um, I was going to get him, he was doing well online. I was going to help with some tweaking, some online stuff, but I was mostly going to get him offline. Um, some lead gen ad in publications, but mostly direct mail. He was uh, leaving a lot of money on the table with direct mail. Um, and so we struck a deal. I won't give you the details, but it was a monthly, um, it was a monthly retainer and then a, a, a percentage of whatever income I generated with these various things, the, the offline stuff and the, and the direct mail stuff. Well, um, super nice guy, but he really believed the four-hour workweek book. And so he ran his business according to that, and it was a very dysfunctional way of dealing with a business owner very little got implemented um some customer reactivation stuff uh he had an auto ship program so 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 uh uh what i call a stick program retention program to keep them in the auto ship program these were all tested and were wildly successful in the test like the the customer reactivation program he hadn't communicated with these people for three years and I told them well let's not expect much that list is dead and the right. customer reactivation program brought in like I, I like within the first couple of days an additional 60 grand a month and continuity uh, uh, income and then and then grew from there and I thought Wow. You did that with a dead list. We do this every month with the expires. This is going to be killer. None of this yeah. was ever implemented. And yeah. I I developed several other programs with the with the hope that he would implement. And finally he got mad at me and s sent me a report of all the retainer income and some of the royalty income and he said I'd really had hoped that this would have a bigger return on investment. And my response, I try not to be too inflammatory. My response was, well, Mr. Client, you tested the customer reactivation program once. It was wildly successful beyond anybody's imagination, and you ignored it for a year afterwards and did nothing. The, yeah. the, the, re, the, the retention program, same deal. You tested it once and you ignored it because you kept going on to these bright, shiny objects, buying Facebook likes this month. Next month is, you know, Lord knows. Yeah. A very dysfunctional business. But yet, because I really like, liked the guy, I still like him, that really hurt. That was... That was a tough one to take. Uh, we both mutually agreed to end the uh, the agreement. I even wrote him um, another direct mail piece that I wasn't required to write, uh -huh. just with the hope of maybe maintaining the relationship. But um, you know, there was nothing I could do to prevent that. That was all based on his dysfunction and. Uh, you know, years of programming still makes me feel bad about that. But yet that yeah. was totally outside my control. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I my uh, friend I, who's in the area, who's in our world, we always joke. <clears throat> it sounds really cynical to say, but like, I mean, really, the first day that you get a client is 
one day closer to the day that you're not going to have that client anymore. Yeah, you know, true. Um, and that's just the way it is. And I like, I mean, I, th I think about the amount of energy that I wasted focusing my thoughts, my worries on what I wanted to happen. Um, I mean, it's a real poor steward of your time, you know, on the planet, uh, to be doing that. And, you know, so number one, I think it's, I think long-term relationships are difficult period. Um, because of human nature. I mean, you could be Gary Bensavenga for goodness sake, but if you move in with the guy, you know, the client and you're there at seven 30 in the morning before you brush your teeth and your hair's a mess, you're pretty quickly going to seem like one of the guys, yeah. you know, and inevitably that's going to happen. And we don't pay one of the guys a lot of money. And in fact, we're a little hard on one of the guys and over time, we're going to want more for less. Like it's just human nature. That's right. So, I mean, I've done it plenty of times where you go into that situation thinking that this will be different. Um, and it just isn't, you know, and eventually, so that turns into a lot of anger at first, at least for me. Um, and then it kind of over the years transformed into this, uh, I mean, this is a bad connotation. I don't really mean this, but I can't really think of a different word. But it's a real muted indifference. Like, I just don't care. Right. Um, and that doesn't mean I, I don't want to do a good job. It doesn't mean, like, I don't want things to work out. But at the end of the day, like, I mean, the mistake that I made over and over again was to allow any one client to morph or to overflow the compartment that that person was given in my life and business. Yeah. Staying. Yeah. Which is another problem. Them not respecting the boundaries that, that should be set upon the beginning of the relationship. I mean, and I think that that, I, I mean, I've had plenty of instances where I could say they didn't respect that, but I can't honestly say that in any, any of those instances, they, their actions couldn't have been stopped by me having the balls to stand up for myself, but you never want to because you feel that pull, like, am I going to lose this? Are they going to think I'm an, uh, a real jerk? Um, but really when I look back at all the oversteps, like I enabled every single one, you know? Right. So I realized like if they don't respect me, it's because I don't respect me. And like, you know, and that's that's when things started to turn for me when I began to view these people not as annoying, but like, I mean, I don't know if your experience is like this, but I get clients who deal with the same issues that I deal with. And when that happens, it annoys the hell out of you and you think it's them. But they really end up, they're like mirrors, right? I mean, they're showing you what you need to do to grow. That's um, right. And when you view it that way, then it just really changes the dynamic and all that anger goes somewhere else. <laughs> the, 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 problem, the problem being for a lot of guys, myself included, um, was a personal offense. Like, I, this dude hired me as the expert now. Right. I have identified like eight areas where he is screwing up big time, man. Yeah. He's yeah. leaving so much money on the table and bleeding out money like stuck like a stuck pig. And I can fix this. But yeah. <clears throat> for whatever reason, the compliance with what I'm saying should be done was not was not there maybe a percentage of the compliance now what sucks is then i had be, i was forced to do this I, I you know you and i have similar experiences in the church i i i was deeply deeply involved in in the pentecostal church in fact was uh -huh. that was one of my favorite gigs i play guitar i so i played guitar huh. in the worship band but it was a yeah. mixed uh 
it was a mixed church. It was about 50% black, 50% white, and we got to play all that great um, black spiritual uh, church music, which was rocking. But um, yeah. now I'm, you know, extremely non-religious and even went the opposite direction, went totally pragmatic, you uh -huh. know, um listen, if there's no evidence and I can't witness this with my senses and this makes no sense, then obviously it doesn't exist. And, yeah. what, and what this whole client situation did was forced me to start looking inward, like, why does this continually happen? Well, yeah. it, it, it's... It ain't it ain't the clients. It's something with me, yeah. and um, I can either get pissed off at them and fire them, or start being a little Hitler and trying to order them around. Which, by the way, was part of the problem. Um, mm -hmm. I rapidly discovered that most clients don't want to be ordered around they're entrepreneurs because they don't like taking orders. And so me coming in there saying, we have got to fix this problem with you ignoring your back end. And here's how we're going to do it. Immediately put up a wall of resistance. Yeah. And I had to realize that I had to do this collaboratively like, okay, so you haven't, you know, worked your back end at all and haven't asked these people for further sales. Let me ask you something. What would happen? What do you think would happen if we contacted them by, it doesn't matter, phone, email, telephone, and told them about a related product and asked them to buy that product? What do you think would happen? Of course, the answer always was, well, we'll sell more products. Well, that sounds like a really good idea that you that that you've got there. I I would like to help you implement your idea. You know, it, yeah. It, I mean, it, and all of a sudden, a lot of the resistance dropped. I think if there's one thing I've learned, it's that in these dynamics, um, the facts just don't matter. I mean, it's all about the perception of the facts and you know, that was the problem in music school. Um, I'm sure there's a name for it, like artist syndrome or whatever. The people with the facts, like I play the best, you know, would stand on the edge and, and hold that in them and think that that mattered. And it just doesn't matter. Like this world is not made up of facts. It's made up of perceptions, which that's right. Oftentimes have nothing to do with reality. You and I and eight other people can witness the same event and separate us all, and we're going to describe that event so differently that some people are going to find it hard to believe it was the same event. Yeah, and I mean, and that can make for really bizarre client situations. And when money's on the line, particularly a fair amount, I mean, that even gets more complicated. So um, I think the thing that's been most valuable for me is to realize that I'm attracting people with the same internal, whatever you want to call it, like energetic situation as I have. So I get people, so maybe they have the same wound as I have. Maybe they have the same, like, do not tell me what to do or I will rebel so hard against you, you will wish you had never met me. Maybe they have that going on. Um, that kind of stuff, you know? And so it takes a lot of humility and reservation to like see that and then not dip back into like your little program, you know? That's true. Now, let me ask you this. I mean, we're in a business where we are wrong way more than we are right. And like we said before, we could channel Robert Collier and, and Gary Halbert and, 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 you know, who's the dude who wrote scientific advertising is, yeah, na name is Claude. we could, yes, 
You, we could channel these dudes and have them come up with the best piece of copy possible, but that's only a small percentage of the success. I mean, the client can totally screw this up, or their list sucks, or they select the wrong list. Um, they could send this out on a day that, um, you know, some major event happens worldwide or we go back or we, st I shouldn't say we go back. We've been at war for 40 plus years. We've been at war since I've been born. So we start another war somewhere, but that's the hot war of the moment. So it's on CNN and your piece arrives that day. There's so many things outside of our control that could control the success of the copy, but unfortunately, a lot of the blame, even with experienced direct marketers, comes back to the copywriter. So how do you deal with it when you've written the best piece of copy you can write, and for whatever reason... It doesn't matter if it's the copy or if it doesn't matter if it's the client screwing up. How do you handle that? I mean, if it's a base hit, great. You can tweak and tweak and improve that thing. But how do you handle it when you write a real flop? It just totally misses the mark. Yeah. Um, well, the first time I did that, I actually wrote a package for somebody that was completely different than what he said he had wanted. Um, which is not a good email to get, you know, after you've worked for something for on something for a few weeks and two seconds after you send it in, they write and say, this isn't what we discussed. <laughs> um, so that's one extreme. Uh, these days, I mean, the way I deal with that is, is again to realize that like, Half the battle is setting yourself up for success. For me, the idea of getting hired to write a single newsletter or a single sales letter is not something that I want to do. Mm -hmm. Why would I put myself in a position like that where, I'm where future business is judged over something that I know I don't control? And I'm giving myself one at bat. That's right. Right. Like to me, that's stupid. I mean, that's crazy. And I've done it plenty of times and I realized, dude, like this is why this is what you have to stop doing. Stop putting yourself in these positions where it's make or break it. You're in the crosshairs. I mean, you're the only one left. Right. So if it doesn't work, who else? They're not going to blame themselves. They're going to blame you. And so they're, like, they're putting all their hope on you. And it's the it's, right. Your analogy is perfect. They're putting so, all your hope on you for a home run. But you get one shot up at uh, up at the plate to 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 bat at the ball, right? So like that's just gambling to me. Um, if you want to pay me to gamble, that's one thing. I'll do the best I can, but I'm not thinking that anything's coming after that because I've been doing this too long um, to realize that if we set things up that way, ninety percent chance like it's not going to perform to whatever your perception of success is. So I don't do those things. Um, I mean, in my, what I do every day with the emails that I send out, like I know that if I can structure the situation, I mean, I wake up and I get a chance every day, right? Like a new chance tomorrow to help somebody and to sell something. Um, so that was structured intelligently. I get 220 plus at bats every year. And that's why when you go to my website, you can barely call most of that a sales letter. I mean, it just isn't, it's hardly necessary at mm -hmm. that point. Um, so in terms of getting clients, like if you want just a sales letter, I mean, I might do it because we all need to pay the bills, um, but I'm not going to expect anything. Like I will expect for this to be it. <laughs> um, and I will not get emotionally involved in trying to set up this long range, like uh, situation with this client. Like I just know my chances are slim, but if you come to me and say, I have this result I want to create, um, I want you to write the letter. I will very quickly say, well, I don't think, why would we give ourselves one at bat? Let's give ourselves 30 at bats, you know, and restructure the project so that 
Now you have a chance. I mean, generally the fee goes up too, but it's because you're, the probability of success is infinitely better. So what you're saying is <clears throat> you basically, you work more of a consultant on advising them on all the things that should be done to improve this project. Like, okay, you know, your, your website sucks or you have no online funnel. We need to get an online funnel for this. Um, of course, yes, we'll write the copy, but, um, you know, we need to structure all these other things. We need to make sure our advertising is targeting, you know, our ideal target market. In other words, you, you take control of all the things in the process that help, uh, help control the success of the project. I mean, it's like what Dan Kennedy always talks about between prescription and diagnosis. Like, you don't walk into a doctor's office and tell him, I want this prescription and this dosage to treat me for this thing. Right? Like, that would never occur. Like, the, I mean, doctors really have, the system they have is so completely installed in the psyche of the average person that most people don't even, I mean, think of a doctor as a businessman who has a bottom line. Right. It's just there's a veil over that. Like you would never question what a doctor says mm -hmm. you would. Right. And and so if you think about it that way, if somebody comes to me and they have a result that they want to achieve, uh, either they're coming to me as the expert, in which case I should assume that position in that role or they're coming to me with them being the expert and they just want me to deliver those are the things that I don't want to do. Like they're, if, they're approaching, they're approaching you as a look, I a maker, want a, a maker of a widget. Yeah. I, I, I want a person to write a copy for my widget a, and here's the idea and here's the headline and write it. Yeah. Which I'm sure plenty, I mean, plenty of copywriters make good livings doing that. That's not the business I want to be in. And it's not what I do best. Like, Frankly, I don't even love copywriting. I mean, I'm not a copywriting geek. I don't read the books. Um, I'm way more about using every tool in my business tool bag to create a result. And that usually means a lot more than just like one letter on a page, you know? Yeah. So that's what I like to do. Would you talk about, if you don't mind, would you talk about you did a program a while back called Your Bigger Self, which uh -huh. I had a gut feeling when you put that out to your list that yeah. you were stepping outside of your comfort zone because yeah. it wasn't, uh, of course, it all relates. This stuff all relates, um, but it wasn't a specific copywriting marketing lesson. In fact, it was more important than that. But would you mind talking about that? Yeah, I mean, it was definitely out of the comfort zone. And um, I mean, I, I actually like said something that meant something, you know, because some people got really pissed off, uh, particularly people who were of specific religious traditions, um, because I really stepped on some things that didn't sit well with them, you know. Um, which is fine. Like, I don't care what you believe, you know, as long as you don't care what I believe, like, that's fine. Um, the point of that thing was, and again, this just comes from my experience, making it business has very, I mean, you have to be good at what you do. Right. Um, but if you don't want to be miserable, then it's a little bit like the iceberg thing. Like most of the success comes from the parts that you can't see, mm -hmm. you know? And when you're a freelancer, like, I don't really know of a better crash course in you development that's available than that. Um, cause every day you go up against your insecurities, you go up against the things that scare you. Uh, you get people telling you they don't like you. They don't like you done. And if you care, like you can spend your whole life miserable. So 
there's got to be something to do about that, you know. And I was seven years ago or whatever. I was on the way miserable extreme of things. Um, and so that product was about kind of my journey to figure out how to stop being in the client pleasing business um, and to completely refocus what I'm about, take it off of getting pats on the head, uh, nice, you know, comments, compliments, validation, and to really stop um, being such a lemming, like in that regard, when it came to client work and to start really having the balls to focus on the result to be achieved and to show up as like my best version of myself, whether that meant they hated me or didn't want to work with me anymore, like whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, but to stop being a chameleon uh, and a coward, you know, in, in client relations. Um, and it was really kind of bringing two worlds that, I mean, you don't find this in marketing books, right? But I don't know how you could be a freelancer and not want to kill yourself in 10 years if you don't address this part of you somehow. Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, it, it, it just makes life utterly miserable. Um, this people pleasing, this, this fear to speak your mind because yeah. you don't want to lose the gig when you know that the client is wrong and what they're going to do is is hurt themselves and now some people may have no problem with that whatsoever yeah. <clears throat> other people who've grown up you know who to be very polite and not contradict people and are people pleasers <clears throat> there's some serious um you know um mental uh what's the word i'm looking for dis disconsonance um um there are a lot of obstacles i mean it's all yeah it's i mean i was like a straight a student like if that isn't you don't get straight a's without pleasing people yeah <laughs> so i was really good at it <laughs> and i had a long journey to make you know in 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 this line of work <clears throat> what it's going to sometimes take is, you know, the client says, I, you know what we want to, um, on our video sales letter, uh, to, to sell our, our health, our arthritis health product. We want to start yeah. a video sales letter with dancing clowns and then cheerleaders. And <clears throat> you're going to have to tell the dude, um, that has got to be about the most fricking stupid thing I've ever heard. Of course, me, you can probably do it more tactfully, but, um, maybe not more efficiently, but maybe not, more, but a lot of, a lot of copywriters, cause they're afraid to lose the gig. They just go along with what the client says. And I remember reading a book by Dick Benson, who was a direct mail consultant, um, passed away a few years ago, but he was, he worked for the big guys like Reader's Digest and all these companies that did, you know, hundreds of millions of pieces of direct mail and, and, yeah. uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, that kind of stuff. But he said, people don't hire a consultant um, uh, pe basically people hire a consultant because they want somebody who's going to say, this is how it is. And this is what we're doing. And this is the way we're doing it. And whether they're yeah. right or wrong, it doesn't matter. In fact, if they're wrong, that's even better because now the executive <laughs> who hired them, uh, has an excuse. It was a consultant's <laughs> fault, but Hey, I got to let funny. you run. There was about a million things more we could talk about, but I really appreciate you doing this, Jason. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm available for you at any, any time. So I'm Thanks glad you again. Found it valuable. I hope you'll come back. Um, there's a lot more stuff I'd like to get into with you because you're the only guy teaching it. <laughs> well, 
Thank you. I've lived it, so it's uh, it's painful, but I have a lot to share. Well, you certainly do. And thanks again, <laughs> Jason. I'll talk cool. to you soon. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Doberman Dan Show for Renegade Entrepreneurs. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. And also make sure to head over to DobermanDan.com and subscribe to all the free tools, tactics, and secrets to help build your business quickly so you can experience the Renegade Entrepreneur lifestyle. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes where our guests reveal their best secrets for financial independence and living a completely free lifestyle.